So good to see all of you guys here this morning. I want to welcome you. If this is your first time here at Crosstown, uh, my name is Brian. I am the student pastor here at Crosstown. I've been doing student ministries for a little over 10 years now, so I'm really excited to be up here to talk to you guys today. Um, God's been dropping some really good stuff in my life recently. Um, But before we get started, uh, happy Mother's Day to any of you moms out there. I also want to say uh, I got to call my mom last night because I knew I wouldn't get a chance to or an opportunity to um, this morning until later this afternoon. Um, so I called her last night and I spoke with her. And if, if you've uh, been involved at all with uh, the journey that we've been going through since last August, um, and if you've been praying for my mom and stuff, thank you so much. Uh, and last August, she uh, had a tumor on her pituitary gland. And so they removed that. And then she would still get dizzy, nauseous. She couldn't walk around or anything like that. And so they did some surgery on her neck, um, didn't fix it, wasn't working. And so then they checked again and the tumor came back um, up there. And so, and you, you might be, I don't tell you this like, oh man, youth pastor coming in hot and all of a sudden like goodness, um, coming in heavy. I don't tell you this just to, I, I, there's a purpose for me telling you this. Um, and starting this way because God's been, God's been doing good work in my life through what's going on here. So, and uh, I, I want to share that with you this morning because my, my goal for you today is to see the distractions of your life for what they are and point us back to focusing on what scripture is telling us, what we've been told in scripture already. I want us to be convinced beyond the distractions of our life. Convinced beyond the things that are happening right now in your life. Over the last few years doing student ministries and doing life with many of you in this room um, and speaking with a lot of you guys, it's, I've noticed sort of somewhat of a trend going on that a lot of the ever-changing environment of our lives, and I'm talking about um, not just, I'm talking about your families, your family unit, your church home, your city, what's going on in the city, what's going on in this nation, all those things that are constantly changing around us are beginning to dictate and take first place of my thoughts and or dictate the actions that I respond with, the things that I do. And uh, like the economy, inflation, all of those things, things that are happening in our lives, things, some things you may have control over, some things that you don't have control over. They're starting to take that first place thought um, in many of our lives. And you probably say, well, yeah, of course, you have to. You have to respond to the things going on in your life. Yes, that that is correct. You You have to make decisions as life starts changing around you and things start to happen around you. You you need to make decisions based on the challenges that arise. But like I was saying earlier, I believe that many of us um, myself included, starting in last August, were, I was focusing too much on the distraction of it rather than the truth that was already given to me. So I was making decisions based on what the distraction was dictating about my life rather than the truth that was already given to me in my life. So here's some of the truths that um, the Apostle Paul is trying to remind us of when he's writing to the Romans. Starting in chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also 
with him graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is so all-encompassing of the promise that is being told to us. And if, if you said that Jesus is Lord of your life at some point in your life, if you've, if you've decided for yourself that this is, this is a part of your life, then you would have said something along these lines at some point. You would have agreed with this, right? So you would have said that at some point in your faith journey, and you would have been a part of that. The question then, because we know all too well, the question then is, am I living like I'm fully convinced of what I've been told? Am I responding to things as if I am fully convinced that can tribulation touch me? Can distress touch me? Can persecution touch me? Famine, nakedness, danger, sword? Am I convinced that no, none of these things can touch me? And am I living that way? So like I said, many of us in this room probably claimed that at some point in time, right? That's that's when you say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. I believe what he did for me, and I believe in his graces on my life. So, yes, I claim those things. But then here comes the distractions of life. Here comes the storms come blowing in, the things that start to take our focus off of that, that promise, these promises to us, the things that want to steal those away from us. I need this job to work out I need to make more money or how's my family gonna survive this year? I lost my job. I need this relationship to work out with this person. What do I do about bad medical reports? Like my mom, my marriage is failing. My kids are at each other's throats. They don't like me. What do, what do I do about those things? So how do we end up responding to these things? We respond distracted from the truth. We respond distracted from the truth that we knew before the storm arrived. We respond out of fear, doubts, anxieties, as if we are inexperienced to his promises. As if the distraction is what dictates my future and where I'm going and not the King of Kings who dictates that, the Lord of Lords who dictates that, the loving Father, the one who loves us. So, like I said, I am, I am the student pastor here, and this wouldn't really be a good student pastor sermon if I didn't have somebody come up and help me illustrate this a little bit for you. So bear with us, because we had a lot of fun with this first service. This is Joshua. Y'all can uh, clap for him if you want. He's, Joshua's an awesome kid. He's one of our students here at Crosstown, and I love Joshua. He is awesome. 
But I believe that one of the enemy's greatest opportunities that he waits for to use against us is distraction because he can't disprove God to you. He can't take his truths away from you. So he has to distract you from them. He has to make sure that you're not thinking about them so that you make bad decisions or so that you replace the distraction as your first thought in your mind and you let anxiety take over in your life. So Joshua, I'm gonna have you hold your hand out flat, nice and flat, yeah, there we go. So we're gonna take this mop and we'll say that this mop is, uh, is God's truth. You can insert any um, cheesy, like, yeah, it's a mop because he'll clean up all your sin and, or something like that. I don't know, whatever you want to put. So a lot of us here, this is how we hold on to God's truth. I know this seems goofy, but I'll explain. This is how we hold on to it, open-handed and doing like that and stuff. Yeah, Joshua's pretty athletic. He's a really good kid. He's pretty athletic. He could probably, if he didn't have to worry about falling off the stage and stuff, he could probably walk around with that all day and make it work that way, right? So, but of course, we don't want him moving around because then it'd be like you were focusing on God's truth too much. You fell off the stage, broke your leg or something. That's not how God's truth works. So we're not doing that. So if he does drop it a little bit early, that's okay. But this is like how we, we hold on to God's truth sometimes. We, op- we hold on to it with open hands like this. And, and in this instance, it's pretty easy for him to keep up with God's truth. This, is, this seems real simple. But then all of a sudden, distractions start coming in. Like Joshua, that pretty girl just walked by. <laughs> that was too quick. <laughs> Joshua, you weren't supposed to look away on that one. He's a good kid. I t- <laughs> uh, your mom's going to be upset. Uh, we take, it, it could be those outside world things, the things that pass by us, the things that try to distract us, shiny things, things that we want, things that we desire in our lives, things that take our minds off of it. Or it could be something that's not in your control, like this. I promise it's just water. I clean the Windex out. It's fine. No, it's not. It was always water. But it's those things. In order for him to not get sprayed with water, he had to move out of the way. And he had to let God's truth just kind of fall over a little bit. Sometimes we compromise on God's truth in order to get through our distractions. Sometimes that's what dictates how we move rather than his truths dictating that. Or sometimes it's something that's completely out of your control and it is a need. Sometimes it's basic provisions that we feel like because we have a lack of faith in it or we forgot his promises. We feel like we need to go after them ourselves. We feel like we have to compromise in order to go after them ourselves. You thirsty, Joshua? You want to take this? Okay. You can take it. You can have it. <laughs> That's awfully difficult, right, Joshua? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> Through those distractions, you can see how a lot of times what the enemy's looking for you to do is to just take your eyes off of it, to just take your eyes off of it. And if we hold on to God's truth so loosely, if we're not in constant reminder of his truths, all we're doing is balancing this mop in our hands. But God wants us to take hold of his truths, hold them tightly. This thing's not going anywhere. And that's not so that I can now reach out for those things that 
he didn't give to me. That's not so that I can now, I can multitask or do something else. No, it's so now this becomes, now his truths become useful to me. Now his truths become something different. Now his truths can clean up the mess that I've created in my life or the things that are going around me. I'm not gonna hold this the whole time. That would be weird. But it's so easy for us to get there, right? When we started our relationship or our journey with Jesus, we, we grabbed hold of it. We grabbed it and we said, yes, this is what I believe. This is what I wanna be a part of. I want, I want you in my life, Lord. This is, I believe in these truths. But it's so easy for us to just loosen our grip and then start doing life because we forgot what we were doing, what we were told originally. But God wants us to live our lives convinced beyond these distractions, which I want to move actually. He wants us to live our lives convinced beyond the distractions of our life, to be reminded of his goodness and his faithfulness to us. So in Matthew chapter six, verse 25, it says, this is Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Oh, you of little faith. That part hits hard. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. The Gentiles, the ones who have yet to experience his promises, the ones who don't have something to look to. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He already knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. He knows you need food and water to drink. He knows what your body needs already. He knows those things. And you're like, yeah, but what about what you were talking about? That's a lot more than food and water. This verse isn't just talking about that. He knows the things that make you anxious. He knows the things that distract you. He knows the things and he calls it out Again, he's looking for faith. He's looking for faith. Living like you're fully convinced that you have faith in his promises. Living like you're fully convinced beyond the distractions of your life. That you see what he's promised you and you see that that's on the other side as well. Not getting distracted from the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I'm gonna read um, a story to you guys out of Mark. Um, starting, it's in chapter four, but to preface it a little bit so we know where we're at, Jesus, Jesus has been teaching and he's been amassing a multitude of people, giant crowds. And how he did that was he was performing miracles. He was healing and then he would teach and then he would cast out demons and then he would teach some more. He would do all these things and he just, he healed so many people and people started hearing so much about him that they, these are people who believed in who he was. Then And they're like, oh, I need healing. I need to come get this. There were so many people that Jesus, he requested a boat from his 12 disciples. He said, hey, get a, get a boat ready because there's so many people that we might get crushed out there during this next teaching. 
And so he gets on this boat. And uh, after he teaches that day in Mark chapter four, verse 35, it says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. Here it is, distractions. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, saying to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is, the, these are the people that in the crowd of all the disciples, all the people who were following him, Jesus pulled these 12 and he said, you, 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 and you, you're gonna be my apostles. You're the ones who I want to send out eventually to go spread what I'm, what I'm saying to you, the truth that I'm giving to you. You're the ones who are gonna go spread this and stuff. So these are, these are the ones who he's already, he's like, yeah, faith, bring, bring faith. And these are the people who know him. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So he told them, at the beginning there, he told them, what does it say? Let us go across to the other side. They, they know who he is. They know he performs miracles. And he told them, let us go across to the other side here. So they already knew we're going over there. That's the goal. Wouldn't that be a joke? Jesus is on the boat with them if the boat sank. Wouldn't that be silly? of what's going on here. After witnessing people healed, demons cast out, after following him, these are the people who gave up their jobs, all of their possessions, everything, and said, I'm following this guy because he's different. This guy is amazing. This guy does miracles. This guy is the truth. And yet, after Jesus said, let's go to the other side, they're like, whoa, whoa, are we gonna make it to the other side though? As soon as their boat starts filling up with water, they start getting distracted from what Jesus just said to them. Now, if this is the only part of the story that we get, then it seems like a reasonable time to freak out. Seems like a reasonable time if we didn't get the Jesus part of it. If we didn't get him saying and telling them where we are going, then it's like, yeah, what's, what's going on here, Jesus? Like, does he know that the boat's filling up with water? He's asleep. I don't think he knows. You should wake him up. No, it's... If we didn't have the other parts, then it does seem like a reasonable time. If we have no other examples in our life, if we have no other examples in our life for making it to the other side, no other examples of God's provision, of God promising us things, and God's wisdom for us, then the distraction of your life right now seems like a reasonable time to freak out. It seems like a reasonable time for you to freak out while your boat is filling with water and you feel like you're perishing no matter what you're going through right now. And that's how it seems in our lives. In the midst of our own stories and what we're doing, we feel reasonable to get distracted and to freak out. 
But listen to this. The prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 43, starting in verse one, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who forms you, O Israel. You let him know who's talking here. Fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Jesus was there on the boat. I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. I give Egypt as ransom, Cush and Seba in your exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. See, when we remember his truth this way, when we remember his truth when he says these things, when our minds are stayed on those truths, when that's our first thought to the distraction in these scriptures, then we can live our lives convinced beyond what's going on, beyond the distractions of our lives. And then all of a sudden, Jesus' snarky comment that he made earlier, why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith. It starts to sound a lot less snarky to me and a lot more reasonable than when I was distracted and trying to reason myself and my own actions through it. So look, look, look at this. This tattoo says Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And I got this tattoo about 15 years ago after my older brother, my little sister, and my mom all attempted suicide. And I'm sitting here wondering, why am I the only one who wants to live here? Is it me? Am I the problem? Now they all, by the grace of God, survived their very real attempts. But my mom's was the most serious She was in the hospital, but she was miraculously healed that day. And God showed up big and I know he did it to prove to me, I'm here. Remember, remember me. But she was not just healed physically that day though. This was the day that my mom accepted Jesus Christ into her life. She was healed spiritually. She was healed beyond her life here. So what my mom was going through then, what my mom is going through right now with the tumor in her head is just another distraction from the promises that he's already confirmed for me and my mom. It's just another distraction no matter what answer he gives, I already know his promises because he healed her body before, but he did that to heal her soul. So do I, do I pray for miraculous healing for her? Of course, of course I do. That's what I want. That's what I desire. He wants to know the desires of my heart. But 
I mean, if you think about the disciples who were on the boat, they, they forgot what the promise was at the end. They forgot that they were supposed to make it to the other side. Jesus told them that. But they didn't forget who was on the boat with them though. They knew who to call when they needed to be saved. They knew who to, who to call to stop the storm. And Jesus got up and he said, yeah, I'm gonna put an end to this storm. So am I gonna pray for miraculous healing? Of course I am, of course. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get distracted anymore by it. I'm not gonna let it bring anxiety and fear into the decisions that I make, into my thoughts. I'm not gonna get distracted. I don't wanna get distracted anymore from knowing he's promised me the other side. He's promised me that I'm making it to that other side. And so is my mom. So it's good. And so my hope is that I will be of more than a little faith in this. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much, so much for your love. Thank you so much for your promises, God. Thank you, Lord, that those promises are for each and every person in this room. God, I pray that you encourage us with reminders of you and your promises to us. God, and I pray for anybody in this room who has yet to experience you and your promises. Oh Lord, that today they take the bread and the cup. They eat from it, from your body, and they drink from your blood and say, Lord, I do this in remembrance of you. I mark this day today to know I want to have more than a little faith. I want to know your promises for me. No matter what storm anybody's going through here today, no matter what is going on in their lives, Lord, let them be reminded of your hope that you go before us, that you are an establisher of our steps, that you know what the other side is already. And you've said that is for us. Thank you, God, so much for your love and your mercy. We say these things in Jesus Christ's wonderful name, amen.